So we're still in the month of March, and we're growing together as a church in prayer. And where anytime you're going to grow, it has to be a place of being intentional, being committed, and being consistent. And I felt like God put a theme, a prayer theme in my heart uh, this weekend, and it was the theme, never give up. And I really felt that sometimes when you're praying for something for a long time, uh, it can really be challenging and you can get very discouraged in your prayer and you can give up praying. You can give up praying for people. You can give up praying for circumstances because it's such a prolonged time and you don't see any results. You know, I just look at Kelly and I think about your mom. You know, it's like we pray. Norm, Paul, we're praying for situations. And with the eye, we don't see any results. And we want to give up. I felt like God wanted to give us a word today and say, never give up. You know, the thief comes to kill, and he comes to steal, and he comes to destroy our faith and our ability to believe him, that he's a God that hears, and he's a God that listens, and that he's a God that answers. And we pray for people, and we pray year and year and year. And sometimes not only don't we see things changing, we see them getting worse. And it's a an attack, and it feels like it's a discouragement to our faith in God, because God, if you're real, and I keep praying, why isn't there a change? And I just feel like God is saying, never give up on prayer. I think sometimes we stop praying because we are so discouraged and disillusioned that God is not moving, but God is moving. I don't know how or when or in what ways, and maybe we don't see it, but we have to believe that God is moving. You know, there's a scripture in Luke, it says we ought to always pray and never lose heart or never to give up. And it talks about that there was a certain widow that went before an unjust judge. And she just pounded him that he would give justice for her against her enemy. And this was an unjust judge. And what he said is, though I don't fear God, I don't even fear God. And I don't have any regard for man at all. But because... This widow continues to come to me and beat at my door of my establishment and asking for this request. I'm going to actually grant it to her. And God comes back and says, Shall I not avenge those who are my own, my own elect, who cry out to me, day and night. And what happens is, I think we start and we cry out to God 
And when you don't see a result, it comes down to where we're basically almost trying to whisper out a prayer of thinking, God, do you even hear? see something change Brian we're going to see something change and all we can say is we haven't seen it yet but we're going to see something change there's going to be a change (laughs) there's going to be a change I know it I feel it I don't know when I don't know how My glasses are even fogging up over this. (laughs) But I know and I believe there's going to be a change. This is a year there's going to be a change. And so please, church, contend. Believe that God in our midst and that he's longing and wanting to move. I don't understand the blocks. I don't understand the resistance. I don't understand the timetable in all this but I have to believe that I believe that God is still moving. God is still going to bring change in our lives. Did you know that Sir Winston Churchill flunked eighth grade three times? And ironically, he was asked to give the commencement at Yale. It was... um, major Oxford University as Churchill approached the podium the crowd arose and applauded and with dignity and confidence he stood before them and he shouted out never give up (laughs) a few minutes went by didn't say another word and he shouted out again never give up and then quietly he went and sat back in his chair and I feel the word of the day is the word of the Lord is the word of the hour is never give up never give up I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And you take those places where you've stopped praying. Because do you know we stop literally praying because we don't see change. 
we don't see result. And you go back to that place and you say, God, I know I've sort of given up, but put something in me that says, I will never give up. Israel, what does your name mean? You contend with God and you overcome. Maybe we should take a couple minutes. Why don't you just get in groups of people around you, two or three, and why don't you pray? Especially if there's been something that you've been neglecting and praying for and, you know, you've kind of given up. Why don't you just pray? Just take a couple minutes. Scott, will you pray with David?
All right. How many uh, felt like that was worthwhile doing? Yes. The house of prayer. Well, we've just completed uh, going through overcoming emotions that destroy this last video, but um, I have to say this, uh, this material has been so incredibly uh, deep in exposing anger, bitterness, rage, Amen. wrath, all the things that we have to deal with. And I just love how in a men's Bible study, after almost over four years, that we are right in the middle of the scriptures he's been talking about. And remember this Wednesday, he talked about cleansing the wound, where you know, repentance and forgiveness cleanses the wounds from anger and bitterness and unforgiveness that we have with certain people. And he gave us uh, the scripture, you know, after we cleanse the wound, after we ask God repentance and forgiveness over those areas that, you know, have brought us anger and bitterness, that there's kind of like a, to me, it's a check. It's a, it's a, it's kind of like a test to really see how we dealt with everything. And it's uh, Ephesians 4, verse 32. Moving on after verse 31 of letting all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be putting away from you and all malice. Be kind, tender hearted. Be kind to one another, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. And I think when we put into practice uh, being kind with people, being tender hearted, forgiving one another, it really can expose if there's anything that's undealt with. I love that that verse is right there. And if you're uh, endeavoring to now put that into practice, because that was the last scripture he gave us this, this Wednesday. If you're trying to be tenderhearted in your relationships, if you're trying to be uh, gentle, and yet you feel this resistance, it shows you what you need to work on. It shows you what God wants to do to keep bringing freedom. Also, in families and close relationships, there's always the self part. Our selfishness is probably what triggers the, the most in our relationships. Because when we're so close with people, um, our self has always seemed like it's on high alert. You know, when you're serving someone, where you're being kind to someone, and you're aware of, well, they're not being kind to me. You know, we, we get this thing where we, we understand what's going on. These are the errors we keep working on, we keep practicing, and it really goes along with our message about working on ourself. Before we go very farther, would you, Andrea and Jay Galindo stand up, please? Andrea and JJ have been with us for, have been with us forever, and you know through our in front of our team just last month we introduced them uh, and told our team leaders, which is our over, our overseers, our, our leaders of, of different departments, that we want to ordain them, and so I'm just presenting them to the church officially today that. Uh, in May, when we have our presbytery on that Sunday night, we are going to ordain them as elders. And um, if you have any complaints, anything you want to say, you have a very short window to come to us and let us know. Uh, it's a scary thing. I know when we were going to be ordained, uh, our pastor did that to us too and if anyone has any accusations or anything come to us and Dory and I were uh, lucky no one came and complained about us <laughs> but it's kind of a scary thing but I just really appreciate Andrea and Jay you don't understand the process it is 
to keep embracing the call of God and what you go through, the character developments, the tests, the trials, the pressure you're under to keep saying yes to God. And uh, I really value them. And I would encourage you as uh, part of this church, as members of, of this church, that you would pray for them and encourage them because for them to function in all the gifts and things that are going to keep unfolding in their life, they need a lot of prayer. You, if you see Paul, what he kept saying, pray for me. He kept telling the, his, his congregations, pray for me, pray for me, because there's a lot of resistance that comes against spiritual leaders. You know, I had an exhortation about prayer today, too. And it was um, Colossians 4.2. I first want to read it from the expanded Bible. I'm starting to find little scriptures in the expanded Bible because it reminds me of the Amplified Bible. Continue praying. Be devoted to prayer. Keeping alert and always thanking God. Now in the Amplified, it says, Be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life, being both alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving. And so we think about being earnest in prayer. You're really serious about your praying. It's really important to you. You're communicating to God things that you need, things that you want, and troubles that you're going through that you want help with. And so being serious about it is showing your full intent, your full will, and your full dedication. Being unwearied means you don't get tired of praying or you're not tiring of it. And because we're human and because our soul and its emotions go through ups and downs, that's where we stop praying or that's where we get discouraged. But he's encouraging us, Paul's encouraging us to don't be weary in praying. Don't get tired of praying. And the word steadfast means firmly loyal or consistent. You're firm in your purpose of prayer. Um, The word alert means watchful, quick to perceive and act, awake, ready to pray. Now, again, it's our feelings, it's our soul life, it's our emotions, it's our thoughts, it's what we're going through that makes us feel estranged from God, makes us feel like our prayers are not worth it, Uh, makes us, uh, when we're tired, when when we're overwhelmed by circumstances, situations, sometimes we're just so overwhelmed emotionally, we don't want to pray. But remember also that if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you're born again, your spirit has the Holy Spirit residing in it. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is groaning through you and praying things that you need to pray for, but you don't even know what to pray. So you have an ally in your prayer that there's someone backing up my prayers, and there's someone even praying when I'm at my weakest place. And then always remember to be thankful in your prayers. Always say, God, hey, thank you. Thank you that you're hearing my prayers. Thank you that even when I don't feel like it, I can pray through. I didn't feel like much like praying this week, but it's my job. I have to pray. But I, I really especially loved um, Wednesday because I, I just been, we'd been so many things been going on and everything. I just was felt really kind of down, but I just came out of um, our one hour prayer at noon on Wednesdays. I just felt so energized. It didn't happen all the way, but about an hour later, I just felt so tanked up. I felt so excited. I felt so joyful. And I realized it was because I spent that time. I deliberately was praying, thanking God, seeking the Lord, quieting my own soul, quieting my own emotions, putting aside the frustrations, the things I don't see changing, the things that I want to happen, uh, 
many of you that I'm praying about over situations that I'm wanting uh, to see happen and I'm believing God with you for. But it's interesting how when we sow the seeds of prayer, we reap the benefits of feeling excited. We feel energized. We feel like we get up on top of uh, whatever situations are trying to put us down. So this is the second week on this message, work on yourself. Anybody been working extra hard on yourself this week? I hope you have been. You know, we spend time on beauty treatments, maybe not us guys, you know. Maybe you could think of how much you spend on, you know, hair products or whatever. Talk to Deanna. I'm sure she would tell you how to get some good deals. But, you know, or maybe you're into fitness, and so you're working out and you're spending money. You go into GNC and you're buying all the special stuff to make your body at its optimum. My workout is maybe going once a week to McDonald's to get a the plain burger. No cheese, no frills. Uh, <laughs> but so there's different things that we spend time and money on that we work on. How many of you are working on your, your physical? I mean, it takes time and effort and money to work on it. You have to be focused. Working on yourself, working on your spiritual life is probably the most important thing. You know, we, there was a tragic accident this week. A young man, 24, was killed at Hollister Hills. And Tom, who works at the RV place, in fact, was just telling me the other day because he worked for the search and rescue, and they, they looked for a whole night and almost a whole day for this young man before they found him. And he had the unfortunate job of, of, of being with the dad and then having to put this young man in a body bag. And you see the efforts. People go after certain things. I, I see people every day on the way to church riding out to Hollister Hills, and I'm praying, God, let no one get hurt today, you know? But people are doing things. They're putting effort in. They're working on things. But the biggest thing that's neglected is our own spiritual life. It's the work on our soul to get our soul to cooperate with what God wants to do in our life. I was riding down San Benito Street this morning coming to church, and I noticed they were having a big garage sale. And obviously, it was after Halloween, right? So they had this, someone had this one of those big old blow-up things, and there was a skeleton inside. And I thought of how we are. You know, our skeleton holds up our, our body. It's the framework. And then our flesh has something to hang on to. Otherwise, we'd be like the blob. We'd just be kind of rolling around with two eyes, you know. But how much more is the Holy Spirit in us when we receive Jesus Christ that our spirit is held up? And it's our spirit that needs to be pumped up and it needs to rise up and it needs to influence our soul so that this skeleton can stand. But it's the Holy Spirit in our spirit that causes us to rise up, that causes us to work on those things that are important. There are so many distractions in this world. There's going to be so many distractions that come against you, against building and working on yourself. You're going to feel tired. Your circumstances and your situations are going to seem overwhelming, and you're going to feel like, I don't want to work on it. But you need to work on it, especially we're talking about prayer. We're talking about building ourselves up. We're talking about reading the Word of God. We're talking about practicing the Word of God. Because unless we practice the Word of God, unless we keep working on it, we're not going to grow strong spiritually. And unless we're strong spiritually, we're not going to be able to be strong in the natural. We're not going to fulfill everything that God wants us to fulfill. Who knows how much time we have left? Who knows, even in this congregation, how many years we have left? Are we going to put God first? Are we going to make sure that we're working on those things, that we're tracking with God, and we're not killed or taken out of this life prematurely because we're not walking in the obedience of God. We're not walking in the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit and hearing when he's saying, go this way or don't go that way. Who knows what he might be trying to say to us to stop us from taking ourselves out or getting taken out. 
Our key verse is uh, Philippians 1.6. The Apostle Paul wrote, I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. We must grow strong in our work. We must work on ourselves, work on our attitudes, practice the word of God, work on those relationship issues, practice walking in love, being tenderhearted, having mercy, having kindness, caring about each other. Those are some of those practices. Taking the word of God. We've been talking about tithing, having all, all these testimonies about tithing. If you're a Christian, and especially if you're connected to this local church, you should be tithing 10% of every dollar that comes to you. If you don't, you're robbing God. And you're robbing this church of what God wants to do. Oh, does he just want our money? No. God wants you, your money. And your money shows where your interests are. It shows where your heart is. And it shows your intensity about growing spiritually. That's why I'm telling you to tithe. If you, never, if you quit giving, then God would have to supernaturally do whatever he's going to do to keep this church going. But I want you to prosper. I want you to do what God wants. I want you to come into the full blessing of God. I want you to be so strong that you are such an irritant to Satan. That every person that you're around, you are full of the word of God. And you're full of the gospel. And you're full of boldness that you'll dare to pray for someone who you wouldn't thought of praying for. But because you're getting so connected with God and you're so motivated by the Holy Spirit, your work is to work spiritually even though you're enjoying your natural life. I'm not saying you're you're, going to get into this place where you can't enjoy anything. No, I'm saying if you put God first, you're going to have more joy than you can handle. In John 3, Jesus said, you must be born again. We must be born again. And if you're here today and you've been around Jesus, you've been around church, but you've never signed on the dotted line, you never said, no, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Without you, I am a sinner. But you've never said, I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. I want you to come into my heart. I want you to take over my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. If you haven't done that, you haven't signed on the dotted line. You can feel God's presence. You can go to church. But unless you said, be Lord, you haven't really had that born-again experience. And once you surrender to God, everything begins to change. He who began a good work in you will continue. It will continue. I'm not saying there aren't times we get a little passive, we roll over on our side, we're tired, but there should be a place where after a little bit of laying on your side, you get up. And you start working on yourself again. You start applying the principles of, the, of God's word. You start repenting and saying, God, I'm sorry. I haven't been doing what you want me to do. And you start motivating yourself. I, I, you young people out here, you have so much distraction. But I tell you, if you're here hearing my voice today, God has a plan for your life. He has a call for your life. He's got purposes for you that, that won't change in a week from now like the Facebook things that are popular. I tell you, if you surrender your life to him now, you will out range and outdistance all your peers that are being sucked into this world system you don't know not know how much time you have but i tell you god has a plan you were created in his image you were created for his purpose jesus died on the cross for you and he wants your life satan comes to steal kill and destroy the lives look at what's going on our campuses today you know they had stories about all the binge drinking and the hazing, all the things going on that our young people are being drawn into. They're drawn into sexual activities that are destroying their lives. 
and they're being ripped off by Satan. Satan knows this next generation is important. So he's trying to trip them up in any way he can. He's trying to get them into different perversions and things. Why? To destroy the image and the glory of God that God wants to shine in their life. So if you're a young person, you hang strong. You stay pure. You stay moral. If you started going off in some different direction, begin to ask for repentance. Begin to rearrange your life and let God have every area of your life. And you will be a success. You will be someone that, that will be valued by people around you and will find worth because you're going to express God's image in the world. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, God who is rich in mercy because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. There's no work. Up in the point till you receive the gospel and you were born again, there is no work. But after you're saved, you've got a lot of work to do to get this old nature transformed, get into the place and get it moving where you can submit it to God so it's actively serving and carrying out the will of God in this world. Ephesians 2, 8, by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The Old Testament proved that there was no work a person could be saved because man was dead spiritually. He needed his spirit made alive again. But God gave his word and gave those 10 commandments to show man the, the depths of his sin and his need for God. And so when man comes to God, it's through Jesus Christ because he paid the price of sin because man could not keep the Ten Commandments. But it's the grace of God now with your will because you're born again for you to, to live by those Ten Commandments and do your best to carry them out. And if you fail them, to ask forgiveness. But you get right back up and you live for God and you live according to those words and you fulfill those commandments. Becoming holy. In Ephesians 1, 3-4, the Apostle Paul wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Since the time we're born again, it's God bringing us back into the fellowship. We all basically know that. But God is a holy God. And there's grace. You know, we start out with God and there may be different addictions, strongholds or whatever in our life that we have to overcome. But don't let it become sloppy grace. Don't, don't shift it off to saying, well, you know what? It's, I'm saved by grace and someday I'll work on it. No, you work on yourself now. If you know you're in something that as a Christian is wrong, then you start asking for repentance and you start working on it. Because who knows when the day of grace is going to run out. You have no guarantee, but you're supposed to work out your salvation. You're supposed to work on those areas to create and generate the holiness that God wants. Why? Because holiness brings you into that presence and that atmosphere with God where you hear God and you walk in fellowship and you walk in this place where God is leading you and God is telling you the best way and the best road and the best plan for you. Why? Because he has a purpose for your life. You have meaning and value and you're not going to get that meaning and value without walking with a holy God. He didn't die on the cross and, and, and bring holiness to you for you to walk in unrighteousness. The Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit starts getting agitated when we're not letting him work on those areas. And it's, I'm not saying that if you're in something uh, that he hates you, but start saying, okay, you're in me and I'm doing this. God, create a hatred. God, grant me a repentance. Grant me that thing that, that there's a godly sorrow such in me that I hate this thing that I'm in. Watch God begin to change you. Watch the power of the Holy Spirit begin to release in you because you're working with what you know about the word of God to change. The definition of holy, sacred, physically pure, morally blameless, or religious. 
consecrated. You're set apart. When you ask Jesus Christ in your life, you're set apart for God in his service. Most holy, becoming one. You're called a saint. It's only by God's grace, but it's by the cooperation of the Holy Spirit and you cooperating with the Holy Spirit is leading you to or the conviction. Because Jesus said in John 17, the Holy Spirit comes to convict you of sin. He comes to convict the world of sin. So when you have the Holy Spirit walk with you, he's going to convict you of the things he wants to work on. Now you can offer alternatives. You can give substitutes. But deep down in your heart, you're going to know the place he's putting his finger and what he wants to work in. Why don't you work on that first? Because that's something that's probably going to be like a, a kingpin to let more things change in your life. If you deal with what God's putting his finger on, that's going to give you a breakthrough in your life. Grace is God's power that's applied to our work. In 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, Peter writes, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So that's saying a lot of times that we're working, we don't feel God, we don't see God, we don't necessarily see our situations changing, but we have this hope, we have this belief that Jesus could come in my lifetime, but if he does it, at my point of death, he's coming for me, and I'm going to meet up with him. So my delayed gratification, me adjusting my lifestyle to what the Bible says, means I'm believing in the grace of God that saved me. I'm believing that I have eternal life, and this life is not where it all ends. And, and grace means someday I'm going to have to face God, so I'm going to be doing things right, so that when I meet him, I won't have any excuses or any fears about how I'm going to measure up to what he says about me. The hope of the grace that be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus' coming. As obedient children, do not conform to evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance before we heard the gospel. Again, those practices of sin that, we, uh, that Romans 1 says, there's a basic conviction that we all have of sin. Even without reading the Bible, there's a basic consciousness that you have and if you attune yourself, if you align and, and are developing that sensitivity, you know what's right and what's wrong. And when you live your life from that standard and from that standpoint, you're walking in the grace of God and you're working on those things that are going to change you. Verse 15, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Again, BC, before Christ, hey, Anything goes. Now that I'm a Christian, sanctification's going on, the cleanup is happening, and I'm working with God. Oh, yeah, sometimes it's hard to give up different uh, lifestyles, different patterns, different ways of doing things. But as you wrestle through, that's the work. That's the real work. It's an attitude. It's in seeing where your will is disconnected from God and not fully in his service is where the real work is of shifting your thinking and shifting your, your life into obedience and beginning to practice the things that God is asking you to practice. The work of renewing our mind. The old ways we had before Christ, we practiced sin very easily without thinking. Now we have a conscience even sharper because the Holy Spirit's living inside of us. We're not always comfortable doing the things we maybe were raised doing or our friends got us involved doing. But now there's an awakened consciousness, so we have to renew the way we think. We have to do things differently. The Holy Spirit is that transforming agent. It's the power that's along with us that's working the change. Remember Philippians 1.6, who, he who began a good work in you will continue. 
Again, when Satan would love to think like, this is too much. What God is asking you to give up is too much. How he's asking you to work on yourself is too much. Those are the feelings he impresses over our thoughts and emotions, over our feelings. And once you get your thought and your feelings aligned together, it's almost hard to move. That's such a big part of our soul, our mind and our emotions, our will. They're so connected. And so Satan's going to lean on you of what you're going to have to give up. He's going to lean on you about the uncomfortable feelings about changing something or, or, or doing something different or even stepping out and practicing something different, starting to practice what God wants. But hang on. The Holy Spirit is that power that will continue to work if you just keep calling on him and asking for help. Repentance is an incredible gift of God that changes us. Also, being connected in a local church. Hopefully, you, everyone here, by the end of this year, will become a member here, and we'll just be building more people. Having commitment in a local church, that's what helped me grow in my life. That's what helped me navigate through my single years. It was by God's grace. I kissed this lady after we got engaged. She was the first girl I held hands with of the three girls I took out. I didn't do anything I shouldn't have done. But it was my commitment to Christ at an early age. It was my being in a body of Christ where the word of God was told. I was told about the standard of what God expected of me. Was it easy? Oh, it wasn't easy as a single person to stay single, to stay pure. But it's a challenge. Now, if you haven't been able to do that, that's where God's grace comes in. You're forgiven. But you can walk differently right now. If you have kids, you can tell your kids, maybe, you know... uh, You'd be tempted like, oh, I can't put this on my kids because I didn't live this life. Ah, No, you put it on your kids. You've learned the right way. You put those standards on your kids. The world is crying for a generation of people who know how to walk in purity and, and to live right. And you, as parents, can do that. They don't have to make the same mistakes you make, but you make them godly. You put God first. You put priority of coming to church, being involved in church as priority. That's where my parents messed me up. They got me involved in church. They put God as a priority, and so I stuck. You know, but, I, but most of my life is, until 47, most of my life was like you. I went to church. I prayed. I tithed. I, I worked on different projects. I got involved in different ministries. I helped. I served, and then I found myself as a place where like the Galindos, I went into eldership and more responsibly. I kept saying yes to God. I kept working on things. And I have to tell you, honestly, it's scary to say yes to God because it gets harder. It gets harder. But the grace level is right there. However hard it is, the grace level for you to keep doing the work that God wants you to do is right there. And that's what God wants for you. He wants more. And especially if you feel like you're not going anywhere, let God have your life and let him take you places you didn't think you were going to go. I think of the sports teams, what they do to win a game, you know, their dedication and commitment. They do a lot of work. You know, we see the end of the Super Bowl. We see all the dumping of the Gatorade. And, you know, we see all the champagne and all the mess and everything. But the work they go through to get to win that game. And, and it's just a, a trivial thing. And they're already getting ready for next year's game. And people have to compete again for a whole season and kill each other to maybe get that trophy. We have eternal life. Our work, everything we do in Christ is going to benefit us. Every seed we sow in the kingdom of God is going to bring fruit for us. It's going to be fruit for other people that we're around as we encourage them in their faith. We're encouraging them to know God. We're encouraging them to change their life. You know, if you listen to the news, more and more people are getting shot. More and more police are having to pull their guns and shoot people every day now. 
you listen to the news, we are in a dark society. Mass murders, mass killings, mass explosions, things are happening. We don't have a guarantee. Our biggest safety is to grow so strong spiritually and to so work with God. No matter what happens, we are going to be ready. No matter what happens in the moment, we're walking with God and he's walking with us. And if our life gets taken out, it's okay. We're going to go into eternity a little quicker. But we've got to make God a priority. It's time for our families, for our children, everyone to make God as a priority. That's how we're going to change our society. That's how we're going to combat darkness in this world, evil in this world, immorality in this world, compromise in this world. Philippians 2.12, work on yourself. My dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, and so now, not only with enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent. Work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling and self-distrust, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. That's a lot of stuff. That's Philippians 2.12 from the Amplified. It can't get much much clearer than that. It's an incredible work. Think of it. The most important thing you have, what control you do have is with God. You have all the control you'll ever really need. And there are so many things that we're powerless over and powerless about. Having control when God says, I'm working in you and you can work on yourself, that is incredible. Again, the confirmation that we don't work alone. Philippians 2.13 Your work, you work, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction. The power and desire comes, again, like I said, I didn't feel like praying this week. I had to spend time praying, calling on God, praising the Lord. When you praise the Lord, that's probably the highest prayer you can do. You feel like, I don't know what to ask him. I don't know what to say. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you're hearing my prayers. Thank you, Jesus, that even as I pray to you, even as I pray prayers and worship to you, Lord, you're energizing my spirit. You are filling my spirit with the Holy Spirit. You're causing me to rise up against the negative feelings, against oppression, against discouragement, against me even working myself. Lord, I thank you that you're going to lead me even how to pray sometimes. Lord, you, have, you know the situation I'm facing. God, I'm asking you for your wisdom and how to deal with it. Lord, I know that you're working in these unique things that I don't like, that you're working to change me, and you're creating a work ethic. You're creating this interaction between me and you in prayer to see you move in my life because when I pray and I see answers, it encourages me to keep praying. When I see victories, it encourages me that God is over my situation. He's over the things that I face. When you start talking to yourself like that, like Shelly said, you start talking out loud. You start praying out loud. Things begin to change. You begin to look at circumstances different. What happens? You, something rises up in you. It's your spirit. It's getting charged up. When we live in our mind, in our soul, and we live in our body, we're just only living on two cylinders. But when you get the Holy Spirit revving your spirit up, there's something else that rises up in you. And your spirit and soul are on this level. And your body, it just follows along. Paul's prayer for all believers, Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and in all keen insight 
that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. See how that prayer does? It's doing that generating I'm talking about. You start connecting with God, the deepness of who God is and how he reveals himself to you increases. And there's this awareness. You have this wisdom that it didn't come from the way you were thinking. It didn't come from your education. It didn't come from who you were hanging around. It came from the revelation of who Jesus is to you personally. Verse 10, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best and distinguishing the moral differences and that you may be attained and untainted, that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless so that with hearts sincere and certain and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ, not stumbling nor causing others to stumble. May you abound and be filled with the fruits of righteousness, of right standing with God and right doing, which come through Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the honor and praise of God, that his glory may be both manifested and recognized. That's all by prayer. That was Paul's prayer for us. That's Jesus' prayer for us. That's the Holy Spirit's prayer for us right now. I have to stop right there because I'm losing time. Would our worship team come?